Shoes off. My shoes. Right. I miss Wilson. I know. <laughs> he's he's over there at Puppy Playdate thinking, you know, I should be somewhere barking right about now. What are those guys doing? Is this the day the mailman shows up? No. No, it's, even more. It's sentence day. It's sentence day. It's sentence day. I woke day. up at... I wanted to be there, damn it. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning <laughs> excited about sentences. <laughs> That's how sad my life is. That, hey, that is pretty damn sad. So... Like you don't every morning of your life. <laughs> Sometimes it's words. Excited about sentences. Sometimes it's paragraphs. Sometimes I think of my point of view for the day. Sometimes it's that 150 pages of dead novel in my drawer. Every morning I wake up, I just think about pieces of terminal punctuation. I think about semicolons. Oh. I think about the M dash. I think about my. I think that was just an M dash right there, wasn't it? <laughs> no, that was an ellipsis. An M dash would have been Mike interrupting you. Right. Right. In the mornings, I think about M dashes. Holy shit! You see that chicken cross the road? <laughs> we what? all we all That's looked M-dash. as if there were a chicken. <laughs> yes. A grammatical interruption or lack of implied sequence within a sentence. Uh huh. And a Kaluthan. I know. Don't go to the you went to high school with her thing. Don't go there. You were going to go. I listen. I keep saying Right, her sister was Betsy Caluthon. No, no. I keep saying I see Anna Pellucci, but her dad was Big Al Caluthon. And they call him Halapalucci. Anna Pellucci. Right. And don't forget her Auntie M Dash. Athletes convicted of a drug related crime. Athletes convicted of drug-related crimes. Are they to be forgiven with just a slap on the wrist? That's M-Dash. Athletes convicted of drug-related crimes. M-Dash. Are they to be forgiven with just a slap on the wrist? Question mark. Question mark. Single space. Single space. Next sentence. Fuck no. (laughs) Exclamation point. (laughs) (laughs) Or... Italics, if he's thinking then, it, right? Next question mark. <laughs> okay, hang on to your semicolons. It's the Acme Writing Academy, coming to you from Acme headquarters in Santa Monica, California. This is Rick Crisman, along with Mike Magnuson, Bob Clark, and Marcello Vasquez, welcoming you to the table as Acme continues into day three of its California adventure. Stay with us. Well, you know, I, I, just a little bit ago, uh, I don't know, we were getting up in various stages of consciousness and things, and Marcello and Bob are talking outside, and like it's bleak, like Marcello's like, We've been trying to talk about the sentences on Acme since the very first episode, and we've fucked it up every time. That's what he said. And it was like this cheerful way to start the day. Yeah, right. Because it's sentence day here in Acme hell. Yeah, sentence on the page. No, we're not being sentenced. So is it we can't talk about it? Although we should. So is it we can't talk about it because... No, we're incapable of... We're, yeah, because we don't know shit about it. Oh, yeah. no, we know we about it. we feel like we're jackasses if we're going to talk about things in technical terms. No, 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 you know what? And 
I'm going to tell you, I want to talk about it because there's one particular sentence I have in mind, a sentence type that seems egregious, and I can't figure out why, but it sounds like amateur writing. And let's hear it. Okay. It's when you begin stuff with like a dependent clause, and it's got the, a verb with ing in it. So you got stuff like, for instance, I was, I was recommending this book, A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls. Right. To Mike, and you said you just had to put it down because he wrote sentences like, giving the startled fruit seller no time to reply, the count walked briskly on, his wax mustaches spread like the wings of a gull. And then the very next sentence, passing through Resurrection Gate, Ooh. he turned his back Ooh. on the lilacs of the Alexander Garden, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not reading that shit. I'm done. I don't care how much so, y'all yeah. love that book. <laughs> Well, I'm not so much trying to critique the book, but I'm just thinking, what is it that isn't work? Why explain that to me? What's the problem there? Inging into sentences. Inging into inging. Inging. Yeah. Inging into sentences are one thing. It's just it, it's it's Noxious. it's right. You who said sounds like or was it you that Rick that said sounds like an amateur right writing yeah. and you read because this. it's such a easy way to get into a sentence. It's a comfortable well, way to get into a sentence. It's done for sentence variation purposes, and it is not done for the benefit of the sentence expressing its meaning. Are you, are you, I like I like how you call it, though. It's inging, inging into a sentence. Inging into a sentence. Okay, so that's we good. all get that, right? Yeah, right. Some people call it, well, that's a participial phrase introducer, and according to the modern terminology, you call that an absolute phrase. And it, it comes before, it's either comes before the sentence as in, as in whatever sentence you just read, I, I tuned it out because it was so painful to have to listen to it. Or it also occurs after the independent clause, like uh, he came up to the door, comma, looking down at his shoes the whole way. That's equally mm -hmm. egregious. Well, it doesn't, I mean, it's not always. Mm -hmm. It's just it's the same basic construction. We call that an absolute phrase now. And John Gardner, bless his heart, called it an infinite phrase, which is what called it when he wrote the art of fiction yeah now whether this is right or whether it's wrong you know gardner makes a really good case for trying not to use that construction if if you know under any you know if if it's going to happen make sure you have to do it that way mm -hmm. according to gardner sentences beginning with infinite verb phrases are so common in bad writing that one is wise to treat them as guilty until proven innocent <laughs> m dash Sentences, that is, that begin with such phrases as looking up slowly from her sewing, Martha said, or carrying the duck in his left hand, comma, Henry, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> right. In really bad writing, such introductory phrases regularly lead to shifts in temporal focus or to plain illogic. The bad writer tells us, for instance, firing the hired man and burning down his shack, Eloise drove into town. <laughs> Let's try that All again. At the okay. same time. Firing what? the hired man That's... and burning down his shack, Eloise drove into town. All at the same time. Wow. That sentence implies that the it's action fabulous. of firing the hired man and burning down his shack and the action of driving to town are simultaneous. Right. Or the bad writer tells us quickly turning from the bulkhead, Captain Fig spoke slowly and carefully. Right? Illogical that is impossible because, but. Even if no illogic or confusion or temporal focus involved, the too frequent or inappropriate appropriated 
inappropriate use. <laughs> Go pop of, those bees. Oh thanks. <laughs> you just, you just added another 10 minutes to tomorrow's job. <laughs> no, don't take my out of there. I like that. So generally okay. it comes about because the writer cannot think of a way to vary the length of his sentence. That's what I'm saying. I see the winter, the, the winter, the writer looks at the terrible thing he's written. For instance, she slipped off the garter. She turned to John. She smiled at his embarrassment. And in a desperate attempt for the writer to get rid of the dully, thudding subjects and verbs, he revises to, she slipped off the garter. Turning to John, she smiled at his embarrassment. The goal, sentence variety, may be admirable, but there are better ways. One can get rid of the thudding subjects and verbs by using compound predicates. For instance, she slipped off the garter and turned to John. By introducing qualifiers, qualifiers on appositional phrases, she slipped, dash, or rather yanked, dash, off the garter, comma, afraid, mournful, pink one, long past its prime, comma, gray elastic peeking out past the ruffles, comma, indifferently obscene, etc. Okay, so you've used a, a, a positive, an appositive form there to replace the clunky inging. Yeah, and, what yeah. You, and you've actually you added more information. Yeah. And create a more rhythm in your sentence and, and achieve that variation that we all want to have. Right. Mm-hmm. So the inging, I think, that that's a thing that starts from bad English teachers back when we were first learning how to write composition, third mm-hmm. grade, fifth grade, because they tell you to do yeah. that. And and I'm telling you, I, I have heard so many times, even among like decent writers who teach in universities, they call this thing a freaking gerund. That's right? what I've always called and it. It's not a gerund. A gerund no, is a verb functioning as a noun. I know that. Yeah, like skiing yeah. is fun. And so like, uh-huh. but I mean, I've heard people have won So, so it's not like skiing down the hill, he talked to his girlfriend on the phone. No, it's like skiing no. down a hill, you know, that tickles <laughs> my ivories or... <laughs> skiing. Oh, <wait. laughs> right. Skiing is a verb turned into a noun. Mm-hmm. Skiing, the act of skiing. No, it doesn't matter if we know that it's right or wrong or what the term is. No, it doesn't. No, no, no. And that's why I but like saying But it feels inging. wrong is what I'm, I'm saying. It, it feels wrong, and I've never been able to explain why it seems this like... This will actually prevent, stop you from reading a book? Well, it did in his case. It, it's a dang could, good book, too, by the way. This is the thing, though, you man. Know, it, I, own, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I don't, I don't blame you for putting it down. I, I, that, that kind of stuff is like, come on. You know? I pick up a book. I, I expect you know, the writing to be at least up to snuff. You know, it's, it's between covers. I I assume that it's going to be written well enough that I'm not going to go, who the fuck? <laughs> Where's this from? Um, That's not my job as a writer. That's the job of the publishing company and the editor. Yeah, right. right. Take oh, care. Go and fix Take my care crappy of sentence. So yeah. going back. I'm just being sarcastic. Yeah, <laughs> so, I know. But you know what I mean? It's like I always you know, get that. The, they say those the days pushback of pushback of what we're talking about. Those days of the old editor doing the hard work or legwork are pretty much, uh, you know. Yeah, if you read anything on the internet, I'm pretty sure there isn't anybody out there no, doing that. No. Yeah. Well, whatever the case, remember we were talking a, a yesterday, maybe the day before, about there's there's the grammar and then there's the usage. And the usage is dictated from on high, okay? Yeah. yeah. So something like this, the not using an absolute phrase or don't inging before the sentence, that's a usage, that's a bit of usage advice. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, every time you use an uh, absolute phrase, it doesn't create a misplaced modifier. It doesn't. Not always. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you know, it does. Thing. Sometimes it's bad simultaneity. Right. So, right? Uh, so we got to take it as writers as like, you can do it. But make goddamn sure. 
you know, that you that yeah. you exhausted all your options. Yeah, it's it's uh, it, it for lack of a better word, it's a cheap way of getting into it, getting into a sentence. Groping. It really is. It's a cheap it, ass way to do it. I just think the the way to really do it is that that's your your complete document is chapter five, common errors of John Gardner's The Art of Fiction. Right. It has this and a number of other things that happen in bad writing a lot. Some things that we've talked about on Acme, like if you're in an action sequence, maybe you don't write the 150-word sentence because it convolutes the picture that the right. mm-hmm. writer, you know? Yeah. And so, like, in that chapter, it's got everything you really need to know. And you can disagree with it. You can not do what he's telling you. But, like, the way you're saying before is you never really knew what it was called. Yeah. Well, you can't address things unless you know what they you are. You know what they are. And like that's the way to start is yeah. this John Gardner thing. There yeah. may you know people can complain. I, I take issue with this whole yeah. idea of moral fiction, which which that that affected the way we write. Right, almost just- more so than the art of fiction itself. You're supposed to like your characters. Yeah, it's all. Hmm? Yeah, I think well, like fuck that. It's all bullshit. I, I mean, but that's the, the the best part of the art of fiction are those two chapters that you just talked about. Yeah, I like that you Useful. like your characters. I think you have to love, I, love yeah, your characters. I, I don't. I've never agreed with that. You I have, think you have to like your characters. If you're going to spend that much time with them. I think you know, so. I have. I think even if they're jerks, you know, you. Uh, I think you if have the, to if like. If you, you don't like them, enjoy them your characters, yeah. right? Yeah, you got to enjoy them. Oh, I don't know. What's, what do you mean by like? Like well, Facebook like? Uh, no, <laughs> Facebook. Thumbs no, up. no, 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 no. Thumbs up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like. Enjoy the character you created. You know. You're happy with the character you brought to life. Oh, all my characters are assholes. Well, right. do you yeah. like? Do you, well, they. Well, who you, you must right? like. You must like writing. You get to know people. Characters. You find out they're crazy. It's my world. Yeah. Well, well there you are, yeah. and you you enjoy them, right? You, you like enjoy it. spending We're time with them. nice people. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There it is. I I don't think you can hate a character. I mean, if you hate a character, you're the guy that made him, right? Uh, then the fault's oh. with the creator. Do I have to go back to the Book of Genesis here? You do. <laughs> And there God, it is. God how made many man. Time, how many times did he supposedly erase mankind right. from the face and of the, the earth? Just well, yesterday or the day before. Flags you, all the time. Yeah. yeah. You know, you were making a case that God fucked it all up from the beginning, anyways. Yeah. Started. Was over. that me making the case? I don't that? think I was making that case. I might have been submitting evidence to the yeah. to the judge, but <laughs> whoever compiled yeah, that. The I, FBI just gathers evidence. That's right. All I do is report that's the facts. That's what the judge says. Shit. I'll tell you, but going back to those sentences that you read, it, at least in this word, and then we can just let this thing go because right. I think we covered it, is that inging in is wrong for several different reasons. For example, you read the, the sentence about uh, holding the duck by its feet, Henry, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. Okay. This is still stuck in my head, and I'm thinking, what's with the duck? <laughs> you yeah. want me to be thinking about Henry. Right. Right? And I'm stuck on the fucking duck. Right. Well, actually, right. then this, there's a larger thing. So, like, that information is so important to exposition that it should appear as a predicate. It should come after the subject. Now, how would you do that? Well, he was carrying a duck in his left. Henry carried a duck in his left hand. Okay? Then right. he would, I mean, but, like, how much more clear would you need to be? Right. Yeah. This is expository. It, or, know, or Henry ran down the street carrying his duck. No, not carrying his duck. That, that would be an absolute. That's phrase. a that's an after inging. <laughs> you know, but you, you can't not ing. Right. That's the thing. I, I think more of it's it's just be aware that it's 
something that people do kind of automatically without thinking about it. That's the bigger thing. Yeah. Right. The same thing with that adverbial phrase as the success simultaneous most of the time. Right. You can almost always. Oh, the, that's the just that's just flag your pros, find as at the beginning of every sentence and change it. But you can but use sometimes it. it'll work. Sometimes but, you but it's always worth look, always worth looking at. As a professor of English, yes, are the only way you should be using it. That's in a comparative. Absolutely. You know that's that's a different. You know, as I walked into the room, I smelled the house burning down. No, what the fuck? You didn't see the house burning down before you opened the door, right? As I walked into the room, I told her, well, no. So that means the first half of the sentence, you were still opening the door. I guess we don't have any doors in your house. <laughs> right. It, it, it draws attention to it. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smooth it out. My question is, we're, and I thought about this because so many of the books I pick up, I have these type awful sentences. Yeah. Especially with yeah. translations. Yeah. And that I read a lot of my Books I read are well, sharpening my Spanish skills. I eventually want to transition to writing in Spanish. I read these books in Spanish, and then I read the translations. And they're making these mistakes of translators. They're, they're starting off it's as if, give this to someone who can actually edit what you have just translated, mm. the line edit. Because they're making these, these mistakes. So my question oh, is I this. See. Are you talking, I mean, is it the writer who's, who's creating the art of fiction? They should be fully aware of this. As I would take as far as anyone yeah. that's working with writing, well, here, translators. I think it should be a conscious. Well, here's the thing: is that you know we've talked before. The, the reader doesn't give a shit if you do that ing shit. Look at the you know whatever. What, what's the name of this book? A gentleman in Moscow. Gentleman in Moscow, which hey, is man, if you can get fucking, past this, it is a great book. Right, and like it they, really they, is. they have sold like semi truck loads of that book. Everybody, I give this book to. Loves it. Everybody they loves pass it. Pass it on to their friends. Mm. And this it does is, it and all it's time. because he's such a great character. The protagonist mm. in this is just a guy you would follow everywhere if you can get past a so, couple pages of inging. But it doesn't matter to the general reader. Right. I it spent, doesn't. I don't yeah. know, I, I can't tell you how many years I spent trying to read every goddamn book that was written, you know, <laughs> just to learn the, you know, what fiction was like and stuff like that. And then, you know, I've been, I've been doing this, you know, teaching and, and trying to get, you know, get my mind around how to write a prose for years too. So for me, I don't necessarily, I think I don't need to read any more fiction if I don't, you know, I'll live mm -hmm. if I don't read it, you know. So if I run into shit like that at the beginning and it's fiction, I, I just can't, I, I don't read it. However, most of my reading I do for information purposes. I read, you know, I read history and books of political theory and stuff like that. And then I'm reading for the, for the information. So I don't really care about the construction so much. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's just a question that these, these things are kind of ticks for a writer and that, that uh, you can get away with a certain number of them, but if everything, if you're doing 25 of these things on every page, then it's not like the reader is going to say, you're using bad usage, the reader's just going to drift off because and you're, you're going to lose your reader if you do too much of this. Plus it's a matter of my personal taste. Like, you know, everybody's got taste yeah. of what they want to read. I happen to like if that, those kinds of grammatical constructions. That may seem petty, but mm -hmm. I like, you know, I, I don't dig that, man. It's, you know, it's cool, but it's not for me. Yeah. You know, so then I opt to read something else. So we're kind of, in conclusion, uh, we're four-sentence snobs. I think well, we, we won't tolerate such Make actually, no I, No, I enjoyed this book. It, so I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, but I, I, mean, I gave him a pass on that. Snob, yeah. however you want to put it. 
and ho- however, you know, snobs have different ways of what they judge is right and wrong yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But snob is exactly the direction you need to head if you're going to be making art of any kind. Well, yeah. You got to you got to try to know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, and then, and then part of then you make critical judgments what you would apply to your own writing, and then you do that to other things you read. But how much of that, how much how much of that do you think, Mike, is you being a writing teacher, that you're going through pages and pages of stuff that you would never buy? It's part of your job, and you start reading stuff that look, you know, because I do the same thing. I really don't want to be reading your sci-fi piece that you're turning into my creative writing class, but I'll let it go because I have to grade it, mm-hmm. and I already well, this- have I already have an attitude towards it. Well, and certain sci-fi writing has these ticks that are really annoying that I don't yep. enjoy personally. So how much of it's coming from not only your personal taste and what you're reading and buying, but what you have to deal with as a writing teacher? Well, totally. Totally. You know, you know, you get jaded and having done that, you know, where, where I, where I think that the, this process draws the line is you look on social media, you see writers who read other, their friends' books and stuff. Mm-hmm. Man, it, I don't know. I think like the, the, the standard thing is you're supposed to read it like, oh, you read The Gentleman in Moscow. That's wonderful. It's a wonderful book. I, you, know, you pick it up and read it, and you love it even if you fucking hate it. You know, because it's fashionable. Uh, it's, no, 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 it's no. on topic. Oh, everybody's no. reading it. No. You mean it's, you didn't like honestly- Tony... You hate Tony Morrison? Jesus, fuck. No. I mean, I don't, by the way. I'm just... Okay. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm just saying. You know, like to call a technical foul there. No, but like, what are you gonna do? There's some people you can't you can't say. You know, like when when I was around an environment where a lot of people didn't like that book of Confederacy of Dunces, you know, uh-huh. I still don't like it. Right. I mean, really? I, I was no, like, can't stand it. I, I, I feel a little hurt by that, you know. But like this this book completely okay, appeals like to this appeals to me because I like fart jokes. You know, I had, I've had an you know, autoimmune deficiency disease my whole life. Ignatius is such a overblown good character. He's, he, he's just yeah. comical, you know? He's just this big, overeducated mama's Fat boy. Slob still living at Still living at home off his mother, you know? But now get this. And he thinks he's a genius. You could see how people <laughs> he, don't want to go there. Cow. Right. I mean, you got, you're completely within your rights to he's say, kind of an unlikable qu- character, arguably. Yeah. So, but I mean, you I don't, don't have to read go. that shit, you know, like it likable characters. Yeah. You want to, you know what? You want to be hanging, you're going to be hanging out with this guy for mm-hmm. a long time. You mm-hmm. want it to be somebody you want to hang out well, with. As a reader. He's as a reader. Of, what he, about as a writer? Well, as a writer, you, that's what you want to give to the reader. You want to give them a pal to, to oh. go on a road trip with. No. Yeah. He, he, he's kind sure. of the classic uh, anti-hero, isn't he? Ignatius. Yeah. I mean, because at the end, you know, he's devious as hell when he gets in with, uh, God, what's his girlfriend who comes? Myrna Minkoff. Yes, Myrna. Oh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> Minkoff Minx, as he calls her. <laughs> I think that's better than Minkoff. <laughs> yeah. I fucking love as, that book. As, so as, they're, as so they're leaving, he's already planning his way to... Just be a sled again, only in a new location. Right. Going to New York City. I mean, he's what a great character. God, yeah, I wish I could have written him. We talk about who you'd want to hang out with, and oh. there are, there's a 
kind of a large percentage of the population who don't want to spend a week with a like 400 pound sweaty yeah. fat guy yeah. who plays the lute. <laughs> who plays the lute. That is very imperious with no, his opinions. I mean, I, mean I, I, I like to spend time with that person. Uh-huh. And, and, and he likes I to stroke too. his kitten. Oh, God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's yeah. not a sin. Well, he, he, thinks not he, so bad. he thinks about his dog, his boy. <laughs> sort of reminds me of Mike's mom. Oh, I'm using my dad that way. Yeah. <laughs> She's a. <laughs> Dilly dilly to the uh, to your mom. Anytime you bring up uh, Confederacy dunces, the train goes off the rails for a while. <laughs> Let's no, it get does. back on. But, but no, I, I was just bringing that up as a, as, yeah. a, as like you know these grammatical ticks and somebody who's been teaching writing and have been involved in writing for a long time. Mm-hmm. You can get impatient yeah, with, I, with stuff that doesn't do that when you've been telling people for like twenty five years. Hey man, don't fucking do that. And then you right. see it all over the place. I think uh, I, Bob was reading something earlier that. Some readers. What was that? Was what was that sentence? Oh, that's a that's a big tick, and that's something that annoys the shit out of me. Oh, me Most people, it. some oh. readers, have a difficult time in reading Larry McMurtry. Yeah, because of the yeah. shifts of points of view. I can find it again. We, like, wait a minute. Who the fuck are these? Some some readers. Wait, some people have a problem reading Larry McMurtry. Yeah, right. I would or think every that's house- like the most non-problematic writer on the planet. Yeah, he's right at, at the key. housewife favorite. Everybody read Lonesome Dove. Yeah, right. I mean, everybody read right. that. It's one of my pet peeves when I have to begin reading essays or anything like that, and especially nonfiction, where some people, we talk about some readers. Well, which readers? According to unnamed sources within, According, the, White, within the White House. <laughs> well, there you go. That's the beginning. Right. Yeah, or it could worse. be, you know, like you go to like a gathering of a few people who all are talking about books or something. Uh-huh. One person said it and you extrapolate from that. Right. Exactly. You know, there's the widespread objection. Right. <laughs> Somebody. Read the book. No one likes Larry McMurtry. The five-time infants appeared in the, in the 1,000 pages. Do you know this? Right. The, the, the adverb solemnly was every time. The baby looks up solemnly every time. <laughs> you know, and you know that the book was big, and that's just that's the only thing Larry could think of. <laughs> back, back then, you couldn't do a word search for solemnly and, right. and count them, right? Like, IBM typewriter. See, he just he didn't pay any attention to his style. Yeah, right. Solemnly story you ever read, you know? Oh, but that solemn baby. What's with that? How? How? I, I don't just... know any solemn babies. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but not every time. Well, I, I was a hey. solemn baby. We should call mom. Okay, let's split. Let's, yeah. split, let's split this down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you take one half, you take the other. No, it's my baby. No, it's, so Solomon's baby. Yeah. <laughs> so where are I'll we? tell you uh, another. Like one of my favorite writers is David Foster Wallace, and I lo- I, I particularly love his essays. Mm-hmm. But every other sentence is like, it's sort of a. Or it's kind of a, it's like, so I went to the county fair and I got a, a corn dog, which was a sort of a hot dog wrapped around a kind of right, da-da-da-da right. and yeah. sort of tastes like, kind of if you, and you, you just, once you're, once you're aware of that, it's like poking you in the forehead every time he says a sort of, you know? And it's like, yeah. no, it just is what it is. It's not a sort of, it is a hot dog. Right, but you see, know? I like the colloquial effect because the rest of his language is fairly highfalutin. No, it is. Yeah. And he does it for colloquial effect. But, yeah. But- you know, it's, I can it see gets, how it's, it's, crazy. It's gets to be like the inging. 
in, in our workshop and the yeah. cat in the Acme Writing Academy workshop that we've been doing, like every time I say just, like he was just feeling like shit. Oh yeah. Rick swoops in in the margins. <laughs> right. right. And there's not even an atom left of the work. You know, you see a little, just you little, see a nuclear cloud yeah, where just used to be. <laughs> no man, like he just got zero tolerance for that shit. And then, and then I Did you find it. Finally found it. Okay. <laughs> what were we talking you about? Me, what? You want me to read that part about uh, McMurtry's Lonesome yeah. Dove? Yeah. 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 And this is from self-editing fiction writing. Yeah. You want me to read the uh, short exchange here? That uh, mm-hmm. Here sure. we go. Sure. This is from Lonesome Dove. There's three people. It's July uh, and uh, uh, whatever. We'll get to it. Want some buttermilk? July asked, going to the crock. No, sir, Joe said. He hated buttermilk. But July loved it so that he always asked anyway. You ask him that every night, Elmira said from the edge of the loft. It irritated her that July came home and did exactly the same things day after day. Stop asking him, she said sharply. Let him get his own buttermilk if he wants any. It's been four months now and he ain't drunk a drop. Looks like you'd let it go. She spoke with a heat that surprised July. Elmira uh, could get angry about almost anything, it seemed. (laughs) Why would it matter if he invited the boy to have a drink of buttermilk? All he had to do was say no, which he had. Now, (laughs) (laughs) I kind of want some buttermilk. (laughs) Want the buttermilk? Larry McMurtry's Lonesome Dove is a powerful, powerfully written book. Yet some readers find it hard to get involved in the story. Okay, in, the f- in part because some the, readers, some readers, that one dipshit at the party, right? <laughs> in part because of passages like the one we just read. The characters are clear. The dialogue has an authentic feel. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Anything but else? Check, but check. <laughs> but in the second paragraph, we're seeing the scene as Joe sees it. We oh wait, we're seeing. We're seeing. The reader. Yeah, right? We the reader. Note to you, the listener, we're referring to we're, the, we're, we the reader. We're, <laughs> we're seeing the scene as Joe sees it. In the third, we've switched to Elmira. And in the last paragraph, we've switched again to July, back to July. I just think there's so many characters. We, 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 we never settled into a single point of view. So but apparently, it was some people find that off-putting. So who said we're supposed to settle to a single point of view? No. And here's what would happen: if you you couldn't tell the story in Lonesome Dove if you did that, because like you know, like Blue Duck comes and takes yeah. the yeah, what's her name yeah. hostage, and you know, there's all this crap right. goes on away from where Woodrow and, and Gus. Are. Oh yeah, you've got to be in third person omniscient. Yeah, so like that means you can go wherever you want. Who the hell would, that would never stop anybody. That's classic. No. All, all, book, no. all books used to be written that way. Yeah. It's like, and then it's, now we've kind of decided that no, no head hopping. You got to stay. But isn't one. the point here, the, the quick shifts <clears throat> in point of view, that this, the point that this guy's trying to make that how some people find that off putting? For me, though, they can't if settle you're, in if on you're one, one of those people. Please they call can't in. settle in on one point of view. <laughs> That's just some single-minded kind of, readers, I guess. Yeah, you got to be so, some kind right? of crazy <laughs> East Coast, you know, some uptight. We cannot violate the point of view. Here, I'll tell you. Yeah. Here's where the objection happens. The objection. No. The no, obje- I'm going to violate the, the that objection. point of view. Okay, in, di- in dialogue, I don't see the big deal, you know, because you're just listening to the dialogue and seeing the people. So dialogue has an omniscient 
<laughs> what is that? That was Clark, Clark was violating a point of view over there. Whoa. <laughs> How do you like that? Oh, yeah. I like that point of view. <laughs> Mike, did it hurt? Oh, I Mar- Martello, reach over there and turn the camera off. It's gotten out of Reaching already. over there. Reaching over there, he turned the camera off. But not before Bob and... Bob, not before Bob, had, had reaching vi- for the mic cord, had, had, had violated his point of view. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike sighed. You say again. <laughs> I will hunt you down. Paul. He was giving he thought to violating Mike's point of view. So I, I don't mean to overreact. I mean I, I can see where that's coming from, you know? Yeah. You know, I didn't even it didn't the, even flag it's, on it's my It's coming radar from a book that's the business of teaching writing. It's a business. It's a business yeah. model. Right. And this then, then you wanna you wanna have standardized methods. Like you're gonna do this. Right. If you're going to teach, you have to have... You remember that no, shit? you're going to write this book. Get remember it published that, and someone's going to fucking buy it. Self-editing, what? Self-editing Self for fiction writers. Yeah. Right. Self-editing. Self... No. <laughs> no pudding jokes. I wasn't going to say that. I didn't see the look on your face. I was I was working in a misplaced modifier. So you see why I changed position? I can't look at him. Oh, you can't look at him? I'm going to look over here. I look at him. I was like cracking up. <laughs> I got you. I, I finally pudding. see got you all in my sights today. So pudding, it's, mm-hmm. pudding, it's, uh, off pudding. Uh, it's sort of a pudding thing. So like, it's you know, we're, we're hitting of... around though. We're hitting around at the ing. Speaking of ing, we're back to ing. Pudding. We're back to so ing. inging sentences. Okay, no inging. Knowing what gerunds are, knowing yeah. what you're doing and stuff. So th- does this ultimately, like, I if we really want to be righteous to the cause of being an educated writer, I think we're identifying the donkey ass backwards. Do we got to learn the way to learn the language? No, you have to learn the language. So you learn the structure of the language, yeah. and then you write from there. Give, given that we already can speak wonderfully, you everybody can before they start writing. Yeah. Yes. You know, because it's a different act, right? So do we need to learn how to diagram sentences? Because, you know. Do we? Go back to the. Do you remember how? You know how to the do basics. it, don't you? I don't. I, have, I invented my own system. Oh, you did? Yeah, for sure. Of course you did. Well, have you seen when they do on, on, on like on the trees, you know, like the old fashioned tree diagramming thing? Yeah. Oh man, you can even, you got no fucking idea what they are, you know? I got That's kind of was my thought at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got one here. I'm going to yeah. hold up my computer, you guys. It's it's the farmers gave fresh vegetables to their kids, and it's like all the words aren't even in order, you know? Right. And that's the tradition. Traditional, like, Catholic nun taught you how to do that kind of tr- right. sentence diagram. That's just bizarre. So, like, looking. when you see the one of those things, a tree. Yeah. Well, you know, it, like, you don't read a sentence like a tree, do you? You know, you read sentences from inside out, especially when we're talking but about... That's writing. an analysis. I mean, uh, that's yeah. the old school way of teaching you, breaking everything down, becoming aware of what you're doing. And then later on, you start doing it. So what I think is with the transformation or understanding model, how to construct those type of sentences. If you start thinking of the sentences in terms of the subject and the predicate, and then if after the subject, is there a space that you can have adjectival information to modify the subject? Right. And after the verb and the predicate. and before Give us an the, example of adjectival. Uh, well, the easiest ones. We were talking a little bit yesterday about the subject-verb-subject complement pattern. Right. So, so the, the, the easiest adjective would be like we got, like, was it Billy the... 
Billy the Mountain. That was Frank Zappa. Billy the Mountain. Right? So Billy the Mountain roared with us. So when you have the mountain, mm-hmm. that functions as an adjective modifying Billy. Right. Mm-hmm. So that spot between the subject and the predicate is adjectival in nature, whatever you put in parenthetically. Right. You know? So if you think about it like that, then you think you have a subject and a predicate. You could have direct object, indirect object, and all that stuff. But basically, subject and a verb with something on the other side of it. And then you have holes inside that functioned as parts of speech mm-hmm. to modify those things. I mean, it's it's hard It's hard when we're just talking on a podcast. Like, like you need yes, this shit to be drawn on the board for you. Oh I, know, oh, I know. Yeah. It's always been a challenge. <clears throat> I can... I can it's almost like, um, and I don't know if we got around to talking about this yesterday, about your love of grammar, that grammar isn't even so much a set of rules as it is understanding the platonic ratio, you know, that the the way the language itself is structured abstractly, right. almost like a map of our neurons in a way, you know, like different... Because different languages have different grammars. That's right. And they map differently to people. Like like if right. you if you if you read Chinese, Chinese verbs don't have tense. Right. And they don't have singular and plural. Right. You know? And and so, so what a tonal language? And it's tonal, right? Mm-hmm. So their archetype structure is is fundamentally different from ours. And it carries, it's value-laden. It, you know, your language carries, I think, what you find most important, right? Mm-hmm. And we have, so this thing that you're saying, you're describing about, um, you got your subject, you got your predicate, you got your adjectival modifier. And th- what you're saying, you're, you're sort of un- uh, saying this is our shared neurology. This is how we form thoughts. This is how we think about the world. This is how we organize information. Right. to share with each other about the world. Right. So really, grammar says something about our, our fundamental identity, not, you know, more than rules of behavior. Right. For instance, the same way, like, I, I keep going back to religious stuff. People are going to think I'm religious, and I'm not in the, in the least. But like, you know, the Ten Commandments. Okay, here's ten rules. But the ultimate thing is, like, be nice to people, Right? Stop, oh, stop were... being stupid barbarians like you've been up to this point. Well, I thought you know? he was going, there's 10 rules, but there's a whole lot of gray area. Oh, no, no. <laughs> actually, 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 true story. Moses. Moses. <laughs> one, he, he just said true story and Moses. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just lay that right out there. Nice. Uh, I want buy-in on this. Everybody's suspension of disbelief. <laughs> Most believers. Yeah, so, so Moses, with the people of Israel, go, he goes to Mount Sinai, and he's got a uh, meeting with God. And so he goes up there, and they're waiting three days and three nights, and he's in the clouds. And he comes back down, and, and he's got the tablets. He says, well, I've got good news, and I've got bad news. Good news is, I've got him down to 10. Bad news is, adultery's still in there. <laughs> and, I waited wow. for, and I waited for that. Bada bing. So here's the question, though. I mean, like, and I don't so think it's not, so The point might be, you see my point. It's, rules of behavior is one thing. Who you are is another. And grammar gets at well, okay. who we are. Can I just go on before I lose this train of okay. thought? A question I want to ask Mike, right? So, when did it all go? When did it all? When does it all go wrong, as far as grammar with writing? Did you just you said a few minutes ago, 
that you have the innate the ability to for grammar already. So yeah. when is when is this, when is this mess start happening with well, writing? Because we're trying to look at it as a as a set of rules. I mean, does it happen in school? Does I mean the teachers? Is I it, think it's I think it's the you know that's the epistemological underpinning here. You know, it's what the what they how they conceived of teaching the thing as a unit in the first place that there's a right and wrong way to do it whereas really i think understanding the grammar not so much the rhetoric but like the parts of speech and the way things function and the grammar subject predicate of each sentence it's more like a a biological examination of a thing like you you look at the cell structure of something and there it is mm-hmm. right this is a cell from a you know like a horned toad or something right yeah and I think that's the same thing with language, you know. However, to understand amphibians, you need to know the amphibians on a cellular level now, don't you? Right. I mean, that would be what the scientific method would dictate. You would, yeah. you would understand how cells work and, and, and how, you know, the tra- respiration and all the stuff. Right. Cold-blooded and, versus warm-blooded. Right. So what well, I'm pros, saying is... The prose is a bit cold-blooded in those terms. That's more <laughs> like an academic yep. style of, that you're being taught in school. Right. Well, your, your friend, the amphibian cell. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you got a, a positive there. <laughs> a positive. A, a positive. positive. <laughs> Sorry. We can have fun with this stuff. Doesn't have to just be. <laughs> no, totally. Real, no, we may real not. Base drudgery. <laughs> as long as we don't break into a chorus of my anchovia. My anchovia. <laughs> anchovia. My anchovia. <laughs> This is so wrong on a Sunday morning in Santa Monica, California. <laughs> yeah. We have white picket fences and yeah, flowering, happy, happy, no. smiling squirrels. Flowering, so I've never seen a flowering a squ- shrubs. A flowering bougainvillea right outside the oh, door. We've got it's lemon beautiful. and orange trees Lemons hanging door. from the tree. Yeah. Lemons hanging from the tree Sunday morning. Hanging from the tree, the, the lemon lemons. thought. <laughs> the lemons the lemons hanging from the tree. The lemons were picked by. <laughs> yeah. And we're just drinking coffee. That's so bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that it? This is us on coffee. Yeah. This is us on coffee Sunday morning. All right. So we're Mike, what, what were you talking about? Minutes now? Yeah, we're good. We're actually covering this. Probably, uh, I think we're, let's go smell some of those flowers. Let's go, yeah. go smell flowers. We're going to come back and yeah, let's uh, have refresh. Some more, we'll have some more coffee. Let's go do them. Okay, <laughs> go to the beach. We'll be okay. back. This is Acme. Just a reminder that this portion of the Acme Writing Academy podcast is brought to you by North Country Industries and their Series 2000 Euro-style Rollator Walker. Whether it's because of a recent operation, medical condition, or even old age, this rolling walker will help you sleep better at night in your own bed hundreds of miles from your elderly loved ones. Thanks to a revolutionary new magneto design, it works not only on level surfaces and inclines, it goes up and down stairs. It even climbs walls. Available in an attractive Cielo Blanco powder coat finish, the White Walker from North Country Industries is guaranteed to get Grandma there and back quickly and safely. Act now and call this easy-to-remember number. Operators are standing by. all connected here We're talking style we did a little sentence of organization without going into it yeah okay it's with, with latinate thesaurus words 
Where, yeah, just lead us in, whatever you want. Well, we, that's, that's one thing that uh, I learned about in my MFA program was <laughs> the difference in uh, uh, the whole idea of elevated vocabulary and using Latinate words mm -hmm. versus Anglo-Saxon. Mm. So, uh, bit of a misnomer. I'm sure it is. But uh, for instance, like 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 my my uh, my mother's maiden name is Gros Didier. <laughs> what does that mean? In in uh, French, mm -hmm. Gros Didier. Or in Kansas, it's pronounced Gros de Deer. Okay, <laughs> Gros de Deer. So <clears throat> so what does it mean? I'm thinking. I'm okay. Gros, <coughs> the French the French for great. Didier probably. <clears throat> has to do with speaking, right? So I'm thinking her name means great speaker. Right. Turns out that Didier is a very common first name in France, right. like Bob, and Gros just means fat. So it really means fat Bob. Oh. As opposed to a grand elocutor. Needs help. You know, I think so. There's a the Anglo set. Let, <clears throat> let's, let's, let's think about it differently from Anglo Saxon and, and like the word's origin. The words, you know, et etymology, I think, is, is not... Etymology. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one thing. So you just did it. Is it etymology or is it word origin? <laughs> mm. <laughs> right. Latinate or... Because that's the thing. It's, it's, it's why do we feel the impulse to try to come up with a niftier word for the simple? Right? Or, or, so origin, like the or, 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 origin is Latin-based. Right, but I, I know these words because the origin you can say in Spanish as well. Origen. So I sound smarter if I'm saying etymology. I want to be more precise. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? Etymology—that's probably literally Latin, right? Caesar used to talk about that. See, the English language, English, English language, getting uh, uh, less sophisticated uh, with age. No, I don't know. No, I, I, I think I just, it's getting more clear. I think is maybe the point Mike's going to make. Okay. Well, I mean, say I, what you mean. Yeah, I just, I just don't know why you always, why, why is the impulse to change a word? I mean, obviously we all have it. I think I have it less than all you guys combined because I'm, I'm, I use, I try, I'm aiming for the smallest vocabulary ever used. You know, when I get it down to a half a word and I can express my whole oeuvre, right? <laughs> I will have finally achieved nirvana. Your oeuvre. What's my half a word? <laughs> you mean? Your oeuvre or your repertoire? <laughs> <laughs> I like to think of, of me having a like a like it's not an aura, it's an oeuvre. You mean, you mean your big, you mean your big <clears throat> bag of words? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like your it's a little big word bag, a little word penny bag. purse. Which is <laughs> so I, I'm on thesaurus.com, mm -hmm. and I put in dipshit as one word just because. Did know, it hyphenate it? Just to no, be a dipshit. No, and it asked me if I meant tips hat. No. <laughs> We've got a, a PC thesaurus? Yeah. And then the, mm -hmm. the, these, the, um, there's no thesaurus. It, it, it recognized my mic's IP address. <laughs> oh, okay. okay, put it in as hyphenated and see what, what pops up. Well, let's just, I'm just going to try shit and see what we get there. Okay, there we go. This is fantastic. And I think, let me... Um, I have to do something here. I'm sorry about the, the cause, but this is going to be well worth it. Shit. <laughs> Guaranteed. Shit. We'll be the judge of that. Shit. 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 Okay, so. <laughs> okay, so what? Okay, okay so, so your computer can talk? No, so now. And that's what it chooses to now say? Now this is, this is a cinnamon. Excretion. 
<laughs> what is it? I can't hear it. Excretion. Excretion. Today's word is... <laughs> but see, now you can say excretion on TV, but you can't say shit. No. Defecate. <laughs> get, get it on mic a little more. Uh, well, so let's pick a word. Let's, what's a word you would normally that, use? Would let's it, stick with shit. So the mag, Oxford, would the magical so, be excretum? excretum? I'm, I'm here. Oxford English Dictionary. Okay. And we have shit, noun, and adjective. Diarrhea, especially in cattle. Especially in cattle? In cattle. Oh, so bullshit that they coarse, just gave you? Now chiefly coarse slang. Okay. As you hear, when it first came in, it's, it's uh, in a Latin text. The OE, uh, let's see. Oh, shitta. Just like Animal House. Oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> so the original special, uh, Old English is S-C-I-T-T-A. Shitta. That was the old... That's old, old, English. old, old English. English. So it's Anglo-Saxon. It's Anglo-Saxon. So mm-hmm. let's think about something like that. What's something, shit notwithstanding, that we would commonly have to describe in routine description in our narration? A bar. Okay. Like what What about it? What object in a bar or, or anywhere? What? The zinc, the zinc bar surface. The stools. Okay. Someone took a shit in the bar. In the, the thrones. The, yeah, let's, the, let's uh, try bar stool. You think we can put that in and see what happens? No results. Came up, bestow, burst on, be soil. <laughs> so let's let's do stool. So then here I got that doesn't I got hassock. Hassock. So are you are trying to find something that can go stool, either it? way? Like no, just something that, that when you're gonna write it down, you're gonna you're walk you're gonna do a description of where you're gonna have your characters talk. Uh, okay, you're gonna so talk. What, okay, so some standard thing like behind a, the bar, uh, you have a, his his repertoire of expensive single malts, right? Or do you just have a, a shelf of great whiskey? There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why? Well, because because uh, if your narrator is this guy from a gentleman in Moscow, he thinks in in elegaic sort of terms like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas the guy that works for him is going to go like, oh, great whiskey. So it says something about your character and the voice of the story as to how elevated the language is, right? No? Or should it always be just a shelf full of whiskey? I'm still stuck on shit. <laughs> okay. okay. It took me a while right, to look man. this up. It's right. OED. What do you got? He's right, got something to say. Let's go back. OED, Oxford English Dictionary. It gives you all the history when the words were first used and the different phrasing. Check this out. Different as shit, be for shit, to be in deep shit, to be in the shit, to sh- for sh- for shit's sake, gets one shit together. Give a person a shit. Who gives a shit? Um, have one shit together. To have shit for brains. <laughs> Lose, <laughs> loses lose one's shit. Yeah. Not to be a shit. Not to give a shit. The not to know from shit. Here. Wow. And not to know from shit. Push shit up the hill. <laughs> this hey, is man. And this goes on and on. I mean, this is all the times it's been. That's well, OED. That's OED. That's fun. Oh, is shit. Oh, here's. Oh, is a shit. Shit ass. Shit can. Shit head. Mm-hmm. Shit eater. Oh, no. Are those. Shit eating? It's are those all word. one word? Yes. No, these are hyphenated. Some of these are hyphenated. Shit, ah. shit can is one word. Mm hmm. Shit eater is hyphenated. As in now, shit eating is adjective. What about and that's not shit. a hyphen. What about but that's, sh- that's eating shit. What about shit head? Yeah, what about that? Shit head is one word. Okay. 
Shithead. No. You, got <laughs> you got me on that one, Magnuson. See, this is, you know, this is one of our, if anybody, the one person's left. No, they're asleep. They're like, Jesus, hey, shit Christ, shot. y'all. So, so here, just to put things in perspective, you, you claim, what, a vocabulary of 538 words, right? That is correct. It's Oxford it's English good. Dictionary has over 600,000 words. Oh, right. never read it. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> no, that's a thing. I'd Everybody have to was, look half of the words up. <laughs> and where are you going to Which look word up? has the longest entry in OED? The longest oh, entry? Open shit. That would be the Fec- funniest thing. Fecund. Let's take a look. <laughs> I did this once. If I, the word was what? Like, how the fuck do you define what? what? Yeah, it goes on and on. Oh, my God. That's the longest one? What's one of the longest ones? What? 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 First shoes in Beowulf. Really? What? <laughs> Uh, uh, it was Hawat. Hawat? Hawat? Hawat. Let's transition back into language then. Well, either either that or look up barbecue. Yeah, barbecue. Nah, see the thing like like trying to look up on a spot with modern technology, like the, the thesaurus terms, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know how it comes up that we're supposed to change our words, you know? Like I, I was thinking of what was the character I was trying you to What, the describe. noun or the verb? The noun. Right. And I'm going to make a prediction before you do it. But anyway, we'll, we'll go What's back to... What's the prediction? Oh, that's no. all right. Where were we? What? what? Well, I, I, I have been arguing with a friend of mine for years. We did. Before the internet, when you could actually have arguments for 20 years. Right, right. About the source of the word barbecue. Hmm. And I always maintained it was from the French, meaning from the beard, barb, to the tail. Right? Q. Barbecue, so you roast the entire animal from the beard to the tail because they used to roast uh, goats, okay? My friend Forrest argued that it was from the Taino Islanders referring to cooking an entire pig or whatever on a bed of sticks over fire or something like that, and it was called barbacoa. Yes, that's one of the, right, I see that here. Okay, do they make any reference to my... Uh, okay, let me see. Right. So this is how the argument ended. We finally looked it up in the OED. Mm-hmm. And it says... <laughs> Get a straight face. Haitian barbacoa is a framework of sticks set up on post, evidently the same as the barbacot, a French spelling, of the Indians of Guiana, mentioned by M. Thurn. Then, in parentheses... It says, the alleged French barba a queue, beard to tail, is an absurd conjecture suggested merely by the sound of the word. <laughs> so not only was I wrong, but they came out and spanked me about it. That's no. right. Go to the so, so for my friend's birthday, I copied that and framed it and gave it to him. The line about the absurd conjecture. I mean, that's just like the OED has been following our argument for 20 years. And now it's like, fucking stupid. (laughs) This is what writers do, right? (laughs) Get into words. A whole Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Before lunch. We talk about barbecue for an hour. It's like church. It's like church. Nobody else wants to do anything with us. That's (laughs) (laughs) what. I think Mike's daughter went to the beach. Which seems like the way better idea. (laughs) See, I don't know what we're looking for. You know, like I mean, what what I what I think is like I want to use this is like a regular adjective. Good. We had a good time. Right. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to write. We had, you know, I don't want to look up variations of good so I can pick, you know. No. Like he carefully, okay, he carefully carved the turkey. Mm-hmm. I don't want to change it too assiduously. I want to have the simplest, most, you know, I want to low, lowest common denominator with my word choice. Then I give my shit to you guys, and you're like, man, you know, could you consider expanding your vocabulary a little bit over here? Yeah, good is a perfectly acceptable, perfectly good word. And you say we we had a good time, comma, yeah. drinking Fernet and and cracking Moses jokes. Right. It's one of the hardest so then words you've, to you've, pronounce. You've, you've, you've amplified, you've specified good, because the only problem you would have with good is it's a general kind of vague word yeah. so you can either either specif- make it more specific by using a different word or you can just use that word and then but it seems modify. so natural it's a nice time it's a good, good, t- good it was time. a nice time it, it was, was a, a good, good time. time it was uh it was the it was the best of times <laughs> it was bob <laughs> it was the worst of times of course <laughs> <laughs> Look how complicated this thing. Back to the sausage. It was a very good year. Latvian gods, German Gut, Low German, West Frisian, Middle Dutch. See, this know. is this is where you realize that you really don't want it. That writers need to be alone. <laughs> yes, one thing. Yeah, this That's is right. one of the reasons. I can spend a, seriously OED with a little magnifying glass, <laughs> like looking up words. Just go through words and just spend the whole day doing that. I'm just, I don't even know what, I, I've known him for years now. I'm just figuring this out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably, yeah, I probably would have stopped talking to him way back when. <laughs> All to the good, as good, as good as. I used to go to a As good as gold. As good as gold. Yeah. yeah. There's an old yeah. chestnut. But what is, how, how do we think about our writing? Is it in terms of our vocabulary? Yeah, I think no. it is. Or our articulation? I think I'm kind I of think like, one's part of the I other. think articulation. I don't think you need to be a fiction writer to just write narrative fiction or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't. You don't need a large vocabulary. I was just fascinated by phrasing. You know, it's English is obviously my second language. Never mm-hmm. spoken in our, in our home. Yeah. And then we'd hear like, "Don't piss down my back and tell me it's raining." And we're like, "That's awesome." Yeah. Yeah. But I translate in Spanish. No. Yeah. We, have to, we have to involve an ox. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I was saying, how language reflects your culture. <laughs> but this fascinates so me. It's not a type, of, type you know, like, what's the one, a scrub, uh, what's it, cracks a nut, or what's, what's the one phrase? A squirrel cracking a nut. Yeah, squirrel cracking a nut. <laughs> I try to explain that to my, my buddies in Rosario, and they're like, what? <laughs> how, how does a squirrel crack a nut? What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you don't know. No, that's a classic, yeah. <laughs> I was like a squirrel cracking a nut. Yeah. I was like a pig on a pork chop. <laughs> it's phrasing. I mean, I was the apple up its ass. But back no, to wait. what back to what Mike had said. Is it vocabulary or art, articulation? And I think it's articulation. Absolutely. Because you don't need a large vocabulary to write well. Well, what do you mean by articulation? That's kind of a big by, word, right by there. How you put your limited vocabulary. You put those in, words in line. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Especially the advantage of you line everybody up. It's how you walk. It. What's the uh, advantage yeah. of writing in English? English language is a language that you can really compound words, and yeah, that's kind of its dramatic origin. I guess, well, you can, base. Think of it in musical terms. Everybody loved BB King, now don't they? Yeah, you know, and yep. like he is not really, you know, running a huge gamut of notes. Nope, nope. You know, on, on any level of anything he does, it's pretty much around the same thing, right? Yeah. yeah. You get bored with it? I don't think so. He always sounds pretty good. You know, 
Yeah, only, you only got twelve notes. You and know, there, and there's, a, there, there's <laughs> how another, you arrange them. There's a joke that goes with that too. Go ahead. Pertaining to music, sort of the opposite of BB King. Say you're in a locked room with Mussolini, Genghis Khan, and Hitler. <laughs> You've got a gun with one bullet. Who do you shoot? Kenny G. <laughs> oh man! I don't know. People are maybe don't remember Kenny G. Oh, he's guy. still around. I, ha- I had he, forgotten him. He had found out a way to play continuously on the saxophone without having to stop and breathe. Right, light jazz, which is like the last thing you'd ever want a sax player to do. Right. <laughs> it yeah. was. A, I wish I could find it. There, there was a fairly famous. Uh, thing that Pat Metheny wrote about him, yeah. and, it, and it ended up getting reprinted in Harper's. Oh, and it was like negative, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It, it was yeah, like, this guy, this, right. this, they should put him in a you know, concrete something and sink him into the harbor. He <laughs> ruined jazz. He yeah. apparently, apparently he's yeah. a scratch golfer. And then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, no, it was so crazy. G. Oh, God. I remember what was so crazy about that. You've, ever, you've heard Pat Metheny, of course. He's my neighbor in Kansas City. I know the guy. Well, so I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't describe Pat Metheny's music as having a hard edge. You know, there's like a warmth and there's a love behind his. his, Yeah, right. So imagine Pat Metheny. Oh man, the best thing is line him up in front of a firing squad. Yeah, if Pat (laughs) Metheny's saying that. You know what other more hard bitten people oh, are thinking? <laughs> the nicest, he warmest, the nicest guy in, in all the world. of music. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Fuck this guy. So I've always kind of felt defensive about Kenny G because he got, you know, man, somebody's got to stay on his side. I don't think so. <laughs> I think too many notes is too many notes. To me, it's like him using, all he's doing is just throwing around big words without any narrative. It's like this run, this run. Look, I'm playing the altered scale, and uh, smooth jazz they call it, right? Well, I think he was he was he was like the Led Zeppelin of heavy metal. He came out and oh. he did this thing, and then eventually it got codified into smooth jazz. Or, yeah, you know, it was gonna be new age, but new age didn't quite you know with abstract synthesizers and more interesting stuff. But then it kind of got boiled down into soft jazz, you know. And he was, oddly enough, at the forefront in China, all across the country. He's big. Whenever the department stores close, they indicate that they're closing. Instead of like ringing a bell or something, they play Kenny G's Going Home. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. Wow. They probably don't either. It's a country (laughs) with no past or future in their verbs. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If it happened already, they tell you at the end with blah. <laughs> Hard thing no, to but I mean, I, I'm making your point, right? That, you know, why go on and on and, and riff like an idiot when you can just lay out a couple of nice, sweet notes on Lucille, you know, that, and everybody's happy. That's That uh, sentence you showed me the other day, the book you're, that, you're line editing. Oh, I have to look at it. Yeah. There's a fine example of words, right? You know, but that's Spanish. It's Spanish. Oh, yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, right. It, it's interesting. 
And it's what you're talking about yeah, for an English a, for an English reader. You know, get rid jettison all these words. It's just cluttering. Things. But it's expected if you're reading in Spanish in Argentina okay, yeah. and you're reading a novelist and you're picking up that it's almost like a Confederacy of Dunces, elevated tone for a purpose, sure. satire, sure. whatever it may be. That who's ever pulling that off is a master at that. Mm -hmm. I always found it very like uh, again, I, ironically, American sensibility. This idea of keeping keeping things simple, clear, to the point. Oh right? yeah, not too many words. Yeah, I'm like, okay, that's great. But my character doesn't speak that way. I'm there bringing I'm bringing a character in that I have to study. That I filled out two freaking notebooks and some of the ticks and the way the character you know speaks. And I'm not going to put him out there the way he speaks. So I have a challenge now as a writer. Right. I want to render this character who I'm obsessed with, and I think it should be part and will part end up being removed from the book. Right. Yeah. But let's see how you know, we're going to go with this. You know, I, I think there's a, like, when you're working with another writer, as an editor, say, you know, some people are incredibly brilliant and think in super complicated ways and write that way. And uh, the wise editorial advice is to keep it simple, stupid. You know, like, you don't have to overcook everything. On the other hand, if you say keep, keep it simple to stupid to people who don't have the capacity to make it complicated. Mm-hmm. Then you then you end up where you're encouraging people to write in as simple, most spare way as possible. Mm -hmm. and so people, that that de prevents people from it's, developing that higher end kind engine. Of like a, it's a power play on language. Intellectuals or the the blanket statement that all language should be consistent and spare and to the point and concise and deliberate. Well, and one well, strong. It's yeah. coming from above. Hardest shows for people. Well, second language or looking for us, it looks simple. Mm -hmm. And the more it's simple, but actually colloquial, the harder it is for them to understand. Mm -hmm. Like if you actually, if you're, I had this, I actually had a Chinese student once walk out of my class and she went to the, to the secretary or our administrative assistant. And she asked, I can't take a class with him. And she, <laughs> she goes, why? I don't understand him. Oh, yeah. Cause I was speaking way too colloquial. Yeah, colloquial, I, yeah, right. Colloquial. That's mm -hmm. right. <laughs> Idiomatic. Right. And I wasn't yeah. really, but like a lot of native speakers in the U.S., we, we you know, use a lot of contractions. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she was used to listening to English in China, you know, and from, you know, it's almost like we were funny shit. I was a kid watching Americans learn Spanish from the tapes. Hola, yo me llamo Juan. Usted? Margarita. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like, okay, right? Adonis, nosotros no vamos. Vamos a la playa. Buen dias. Buen dias, senor. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. And then they come, you know, it's like, so I teach, teach you that Spanish. Yeah. And you come to Rosario. And we're talking like, hey, che, boludo, que se, forro. Con da cara de pica. And they're like, what? You know. I, but, it, it, but that's simple. That's yeah. that's the language that you would. That's what we're saying. Mm -hmm. That's the street language of Rosario, right? Everyone yep. criticizes the great soccer player Messi because he speaks simple. Simply, he's simply. Hmm. Yeah, he's a simpleton. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's interestingly nuanced. I like the business about how you know you can tell the people learning the language. When I was learning Chinese, the first thing that they taught us is "Ibaba Mama Shanti Hauma," which is. Your mother, father, health, good, question mark? <laughs> That's literally what the sentence, your mother, father, 
health good question mark. How do we should? We should so and so I'd go to China. I'd go to China and I'd say, and it's considered a very polite thing to ask. And I'd say, ah, oh, Baba Mama, Shunti Halma. And they would just look at me. And then somebody would say, oh, you're speaking Chinese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess what does this all mean to writers? Choose your words carefully. References. I remember back in the day, reference books. If you're going to use a thesaurus, know how to fucking use it. Yeah, like don't use it. No, if I've got a word I'm not happy with and I'm thinking, what could be a better word? So yeah. I'll go to the thesaurus and I'll look and I'll read all the words. And sometime in that point, I won't find the answer on the thesaurus, but I'll figure it out in another part of my brain. Then I'll go back and find it. But I never end up using the word from the thesaurus. Why is that? I mean, why, why do you, can you have like 15 different words, roughly meaning being synonymous, yet only one of those words is going to be the right word to use? Here's, here's a, something that I, my, my last uh, obsession was with knives. Remember that? Showed up at your house, dust deal day. Yeah. Yeah. Sharpen all the knives. Sharpen all the knives. I was obsessed with knives. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to Ernie's shaver shop today. Get, oh. Let's get some knives. And I started writing about knives. I had to look it up. So, you know, the spine of the knife, mm. the tip, the edge, the heel, the bolster. Right. When you sharpen a knife, what's the proper terminology to remove that wire? Oh. Strope. A, the strop. Strop, I mean. Strop, yeah, you strop. What? No, it, it's, right. So, I, so I'm Central using Iowa. me, so I, stroke I, I, me. Stroke me. I think that's one of the things of looking stuff up is what we're talking about. Like, you know, the tools of a writer, <laughs> reference books. Yep. Right, and you're going to start writing. So, what what words are you really looking up? Well, you better know what the fuck you're writing about. What it's called. Yeah, I like, used to get pissed all the time, Mike, because people start writing in the Midwest. Everyone's writing about a fucking canoe, right? And they get it all wrong. You know, actually, that, that's a that's a sort of a word choice thing, but it's for a similitude. So you got to look up the parts of a rowboat if you're going to write about a rowboat, right? And why, what used to kill me is they write about the weather. You come move to the Midwest, and you don't know that the storms come from like the. There's not going to be a tornado coming from the northeast, okay? No, tornado's coming from the northeast. I know that. <laughs> no, but I mean, I've, you exactly. read shit like this. Right. So they'd go like, right. oh, that day there was 40 mile an hour winds and she was outside putting line. Like, you no, know, man, I don't think so. You ain't going outside in <laughs> a 40 mile an hour wind, man. <laughs> you know? You're going to hang the laundry in right. a 40 mile an hour but that's, Is that word choice or is that, you know, look this shit up and get it right? Yeah. That's right. just bad. What, what color was Don Quixote's white horse? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's, 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 that's later tonight. <laughs> we'll go no. make a note and we'll come back. He was a pale white. No. A whiter pale white. What was that we were talking about? A whiter shade of pale. A whiter shade, shade of, pale. of pale. What the fuck is that? <laughs> hey, man, you're going to get hit. It's a great <laughs> song. <laughs> How many times do I have to sing that stupid song? Yeah. <laughs> but the book, the, go back to my point. Look up the stuff you need to look up. Not the fancy so, bullshit is, Latin word. I mean, but it's so like you think you think that that's that's similar. So like the idea of being precise about whatever you're writing. Absolutely, about, the leaves of the trees, yes. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Does that same thing apply to the 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 routine adjective or adverb? You know, like you might be using where people might say, you know, why would you use suddenly? And you could look, you could find another bad adverb that meant the same thing. I just you know is suddenly. that like. I use it. I like it. I, 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 I want to stick with that. Sit. I'm a suddenly girl. Way back. I'm not a suddenly. Suddenly, suddenly last yeah. summer. No. How do you do suddenly? 
It, it, do you open a sentence with it? Sometimes. <laughs> I was about to say it, of course. You, you, of didn't, course you, you know do. what? You, you know really, what? I know you. I, I think you ragged my ass once over something exactly like that. This was 20 years ago. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. And now, I, now I'm like, I like it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, see? I think opening with suddenly is a kind of a subtle form of inging. Yeah. Sometimes it's the best way to go. It's just like, you know, like, lickety split. You know, there so are, are, he there, came lickety split into the room. Split. I think it's just an artificial way of you think you're making your prose faster and you're not. It's like, or well, you, suddenly this happened. This means, it means so, reader, speed yeah, all I'm, this I, up in I'm your mind. In, I'm yeah. incapable of yeah. actually producing the sudden moment. So let me right. just tell you suddenly. That it happened suddenly. I don't think right. so. What are you going to put? Like, you're trying to string. She, you're having she yelled events. at me and I wet my pants. <laughs> There you go. I hope, There's your I suddenly. Hope, was it suddenly, or did you take a while to wet your no, pants? No, I took. I slowly wet my pants. Well, that's no, right. You can't, you, you can't do that. I'm suddenly. not going to discount that. <laughs> you know, have to dump it all at once. I was sitting there and waiting for the moment I could piss my pants. <laughs> she said it. Suddenly I pissed. Suddenly it began. Suddenly I, I suddenly fell off. The, oh, I'm, the I'm doubling down on this. I suddenly fell off the This is trickle down economics. No, tr- trickle down, creative writing technique. <laughs> no, that's better. It's trickle down. Right? Trickle down. It's trickle down. All, all right. of my all of my writing education has been trickle down. Uh, believe yeah. me. Hello. That's why we yeah. have these problems with these words. Suddenly, dude. I'm so glad we have this great wealth at the top that the crumbs can. That's the shit, man. <laughs> the car- well, you know, crumbs. I'm mixing my metaphors now. Yeah, crumbs don't. You trickle. sound like you're writing. Don't do that in fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Can't sound like you're writing it. Can't sound like you're writing it. If you are, you better be 300 you're pounds and you better be Ignatius. And you're doing <laughs> it wrong. That's right. Now nah, you're right, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, like, and this is Suddenly he admits it. Gonna get, he's looking <laughs> no, for an example. No, no, no. <laughs> nah, yeah. But whatever it is, I, I'm, I'm prone to wanting to use the thing. I'm, I'm prone to not wanting to put the work in on a word like suddenly. You know, we're talking working class. Uh, the idea of working class, you don't want to do no work. Right. All right. So, man, suddenly he's going to do it. And that the only guys who are going right. to catch me on right. it are jackasses <laughs> like you who are going to expect a free copy of the book or whatever. <laughs> In exchange right. for a blurb. Right. Can I borrow your rolling pin? Yeah. You know what I mean, though? So I'm like, so do I need to sweat it? Suddenly. Suddenly. Yeah. I saw the rolling pin coming right at my nose. Right. Sudden, Ain't gonna fucking move suddenly, on that, are you? <laughs> suddenly, a piano fell on my head. <laughs> Acme. Acme. Acme! <laughs> the thing about the coyote is, it's never suddenly. It's, it's pushed, the moment is pushed as far... It's oh, the last no, thing suddenly's that, happened, no, suddenly has happened already 50 times before you <laughs> fucking realize it. <laughs> I think it's a hard thing. I, I don't mean to, to stick on thudden. Suddenly, suddenly. <laughs> I don't mean to think on suddenly. Okay, Elmer Fudd. What about I know. Quickly, Quick, but, quickly but, move but through see this. See if you're in a quiet moment. You know, like yeah. you're in a quiet like, and and everything. It's middle of the night. Just a few crickets off. Shadows the on the wall. Now, before getting to how we're going to phrase it, we're going to know that a bomb is going to blow off. Okay, so everything's tranquil. You just like it's go like I heard the wind rustling in the willows. A bomb blew off. You gotta go suddenly. Bam! <laughs> just because, like, just to get the reader warmed up, that just came out of nowhere. Instead of just because it no. did that jar you. 
I the, closed the, the book at the that point. The wind riffled in the shallows. <laughs> I wondered. Rifled? I wondered lonely as a cloud. Oh. <laughs> Clouds are so lonely. Quite. Lonely. Then suddenly, last summer, last summer, I saw a field of daffodils hey man. in band camp. Don't see. I don't think you should be making fun of daffodils and shit because they're nice. I'm, still I'm, looking, I'm just I'm badly still, quoting Wordsworth. I'm, I'm still I looking think, parts of the knife. Bolster, tang. So here's, here's Mike's favorite word, butt. The butt of the knife? Yeah. <laughs> now, when he tries to sell you, they're selling you a gaucho knife in Argentina, right? And the, at the end of it, the, with the butt, mm-hmm. it's like round and pieces of silver. They're like, this is what the gauchos use to crush garlic. Like, get the fuck out of here. Are we still talking about knives? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gaucho knives. You gaucho said knife round knife. round something? Along right. the pampas. Round in, in the, the pampas. Doing did you say round, round in the bottom end? Yeah, round in the bottom end, the butt. Okay. What? Tang, heel, edge. But we're talking about knives. Yeah. So when you write your paragraph then about, about all the knives and everything, I'm going to read that and I'm going to think, Wow. He really did some research on this. I hope not. This guy, see, that's the problem. That's, that's hello, your research but, but you is showing. But you have to make choices. Yeah, there have and, to be get, choices. Right. You can use one or two of those that's code right. words. Absolutely. And your reader may not know what it is. Doesn't matter. They'll that's go right. because they know you're the expert. Right. Right. Like you, you need I to research. I just cut and paste you, from Wikipedia. You, you need to ride around with a cop for a while and to see how they actually unholster a weapon before you write about that. And know what kind of weapon it is. And know what kind of weapon it is. And do they even keep it in a holster? Who do we know that's writing a cop story? Uh, do your homework. Mike, did you do a ride-along? Yes, I have. He's always been in the back seat, though. Sorry. Forward to play. <laughs> you put, a, but you put a softball up like that in front of me. I, I know, gotta, that's pretty. <laughs> I got to take a cut at it. That's low and inside. <laughs> you should see Bob's face right now. I'm sorry, Mike. I didn't well, mean it. Go ahead. Mike, go ahead. Suddenly, Mike said something. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is, the, this is good for the guy who doesn't submit anything. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh, you. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Workshop. Yeah. By the way, you got all that shit wrong. Huh? <laughs> yeah, right. No, don't worry <laughs> this, about this it. This fucking asshole. Don't worry. <laughs> Duly noted. Duly <laughs> noted. Our memories are long. Yeah. All right. Uh, I was there to go, yeah, we'll wait for you, Vasquez. Uh, yeah. Walking into the room. So I'm going to start. <laughs> Walking into the room, he Walking gave us room. his pages. Lining up on against the wall. <laughs> writing, a, <laughs> writing a story, he sent us a copy Our of it. Our friend Marcello. <laughs> <laughs> Writing a story, he suddenly sent us a copy. Uh, there was a child molester. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and, for, he did, and he didn't have to say suddenly. Okay. Wait a yeah, yeah. Now for something completely different. <laughs> there was a soccer chant in Argentina. It was a coach who show up, and he was he had been accused of child, of child molesting some of the players when they were. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And the bat's unfortunate. <laughs> Wasn't Roberto Bolaño had a character in that short story collection that wrote hymns for its soccer teams? Right, right. The greatest book that was ever introduced to. Well, was that not Nazi literature yeah. in the Americas? Yeah. yeah. Classic. Yeah. 
classic of the of the genre. I didn't know Bologna <laughs> wrote short stories. Oh yeah. Oh what, are man. they hundred? Are they a hundred pages long? No, no they're no. little. He's, he's really? super creative. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> Nazi literature, literature in the Americas. It's it's a it's a encyclopedia of various Nazi writers who were South American or somewhere in California, Kansas, Kansas. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, like, it's just an alphabetical order. Then you get the next guy, and then you get like a. There was one. There was one from Haiti. Yeah, hmm. it's pretty. Really wow. good. It's a dope ass short story collection. Don't make no sense. And if you submitted that for your thesis, mm-hmm. being fucking rejected. Nah. Yeah, you going to meet Not the a Pacific, uncles? You wouldn't. Oh yeah, yeah, they would be. Everybody, the whole room, like you going for your thesis review, they're like, no. <laughs> Could you imagine that happening to somebody? Nope. <laughs> That's I'm what I was going to do if anybody invited me to be on their review. I was going to go in and say, no, this needs this needs another semester. Oh, God. I think you need to do a semester with Professor Magnuson yeah. and tighten this shit up. This needs another lifetime. What is this? What is this? Uh, what are these five-syllable words here? I no, know. it did happen back in the day and and. and older MFA programs where you actually had to go face the uncles, you know? So when you're, yeah, you'd, I know. Yeah. You'd have to go in and, and meet like three of your professors at the panel. Like you go and they close the door. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, there used to be some brutal things, you know, that had happened in there. Yeah. Ass shaving swats. Oh yeah. I'm glad they got rid of Get that. Get down, give me 10 and then grab them. <laughs> <laughs> that way they used to do that so at my what this- high school. Really? Yeah, like we, you could you could elect if you got a certain number of demerits, you could either come in for jug on Saturday and work all day, or you could go in for three quick ones on the rear end. Oh yeah, line up for SWATs after school. Yeah, it reminds me of when I, what we my dad really wasn't a hit you kind of guy, but he really liked the corporal punishment. Yeah, yeah. Where were we? We should take another break. You know what? We're about ready to take a break. I think. Yeah. Let's end with a sentence. Okay. Fancy smancy sentence. Okay. This is from my favorite writer, Stephen Foster Wallace Stevens. <laughs> no, it's from David Foster Wallace. So he's he's talking about uh, David Lynch movies, having referred to something as thoroughgoingly Lynchian. So is the relentless noir parodic use of chiaroscuro lighting in the Coen's Blood Simple and the Hudsucker Proxy, and in all Jim Jarmusch's films, especially Jarmusch's 1984 Stranger Than Paradise, which, in terms of cinematography, blighted setting, wet-fused pace, heavy dissolves between scenes, and a Bressonian style of acting that is at once manic and wooden, is all but an homage to Lynch's early work. I had no idea what he just said. I I, I, I'm only vaguely aware either. I'm clueless. Yeah, so that's. I think old, he liked it. He's cooking that shit hard. Yeah, he's cooking. He's cooking it, it really hard. Oh yeah. yeah. And then I mean, of course, in that there's going to be you know like uh, a long footnote number twelve. Lynch's influence extends into mainstream Hollywood movies too, by way of the dense surfeit of dark, dense machinery, sudden gouts of vented steam, ambient <laughs> industrial sounds. So, the guy is just like. You know, you know what it is? I think it's, it comes by it honestly, though. I think his brain really works this way. Yeah, it's like yeah. It's, it's a Led Zeppelin moment, right? Uh-huh. He's confused when Jimmy Page. Yep. Everybody has to go take a break, and he gets the violin. 
The violin bow, right. And he starts going out of the guitar. Uh-huh. Like everybody's just going, don't worry about yeah. it. And you're just going with oh, Moby it. Dick like, moment. John Bonham just going, okay, let's go get a beer. Yeah. All right. On that note, let's go get a beer. We'll be back. This is Acme. We're actually going to give you, the listener's ears, a break and arbitrarily bid a fond farewell to episode six. If you've come this far, stay with us as we plunge forward in the darkness toward the season finale. This is Rick Crisman on behalf of Mike Magnuson, Marcello Vasquez, and Bob Clark, saying not au revoir, but abiento. And in the meantime, happy writing. Beer.